Hello and welcome to Acting Related, the MySight.actor podcast. I'm Frank Prendergast and today I'm chatting with writer-director Natasha Waugh who has directed eight shorts including We Don't Choose How which has just screened at the Galway Film Flat. We'll be chatting about the experience of screening at an online film festival, how she casts, her approach to working with actors and we get a little bit into the financial side of having a creative career and how she's making good use of her degree and master's in film studies from UCD. I was also excited to hear about the feature that Natasha has in development, and I hope you will be too. So let's chat. Natasha, thank you so much for joining me for a chat. Um, uh, thank you so much for having me. And the first thing I want to say is, okay, congratulations on uh, We Don't Choose How. Beautifully directed and just shown in the Galway Film Fla. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks very and much. One of the things that I loved about it was I have like I've seen a couple now of Irish shorts that deal with homelessness in one way or another. And I sometimes feel that even though it's very well-intentioned, that sometimes the characters are painted with a very broad brushstroke that to me, I worry a little bit that it feeds into this concept that homeless people are a type of people. And what I loved about We Don't Choose How is that from the very beginning, it was really clear from the performances and the directing that these were two people who did not have a home as opposed to, in inverted commas, homeless people. Yeah. Um, and I, it, was, it, it, it was something that I hadn't even really put my finger on until I was watching We Don't Choose How. And then it struck me that so many films, you know, so many others, shorts that I had seen, they felt wrong and I was never quite sure why. And I think it's because the characters were being portrayed as quotation marks, homeless people. Um, so I really, I really loved that about it. And that sensitivity, I think, carried on throughout the film in, in every way. Oh, um, so, so yeah, I'm well so done. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that was a big, uh, that was kind of the beauty of Dave's script from the beginning, actually, is that they were never really like, it was never really about them being homeless. It was, um, and he certainly didn't want to, he just wanted to show the human side of it from the get-go. And um, like that was his intention when he wrote the script. Um, that's how he wrote it. And that's how I kind of wanted to pursue uh, that always. Um, sure. I wanted to show it with a lot of dignity. Um, and, you know, he never really wanted to show, like you were saying, homelessness as being a type of person. Um, so I think for me, uh, one of the really important things when I go into a script is sort of trying to understand what it's really about. So beyond the elevator pitch, like what is the film really about? So for me, we don't choose how it's not actually about homelessness. It's about grief and it's about memory and it's about relationships and it's about their relationship. Um, and I kind of, you know, I, I used that as the through line and I used homelessness as underpinning all of that. So obviously it's a very big part of the narrative, but, and it was very important that, that to myself and to Fiek Coons, who plays the lead, that we really, really nailed that. Um, and like we can talk about like all the stuff we did to to kind of understand it better, because I really wanted to understand it to portray it right. Um, but for me, you know, working with cast was not just about what does homelessness look like? It was well, what does homelessness look like? But what does grief feel like? What does memory feel like? What does it feel like to be in a situation where you lose somebody and you have nothing um how do you commemorate them how do you deal with that so yeah 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 no really be really beautifully done yeah 
And so it just showed it just showed in the Galway Film Club, and the Galway Film Club this year obviously was online. What was that experience like? Is it was that its first showing? Yeah, that was premiere. Brilliant. Yeah. And how did you uh, find like sharing it with an audience, sharing it with a virtual audience as opposed mm-hmm. to sharing it with an in-room audience? Um, you know, it was actually it was actually really lovely because uh, we, we got a lot of uh, like the flag got a lot of traction on Twitter and things like that, and they were very like everybody was who would have been at the flag was just on Twitter and <laughs> very active on Twitter. I think um, we were a bit skeptical because you know out of all the festivals that I go to or would attend or you know, every year the goal of the FLA just feels like them. it's the most social. It's like the height of, of social festivals. Right. Um, and you always kind of really want to be there for the film and you never really know what it's going to be like. Um, so it was a bit weird. Um, it was a bit strange kind of waiting for a response. Like, you know, the, you know, you put the word out and you know that the film is going to be available from five, but like somebody mightn't watch the program till maybe six or seven or maybe the next day. So you're just kind of constantly hanging on and waiting for somebody sure. to say something. Thing, as opposed to like meeting somebody outside the town hall theater and them saying oh i saw your movie you know what i mean an hour yes. and a half or something um but it was actually really great and we got loads of uh people on social media saying they loved it and that was really nice because we could just share that and you know i got a couple of really lovely emails from people and i just swore to them on today and um we just kind of really relished in in that uh that response um, it was all we got, but it was it was really nice. It was more yeah. than I ever thought that we would get from it. Um, I just kind of thought I'd knew I'd I've heard I, I just kind of thought I'd hear from people who had seen it, but um, sure. massive bonus. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And um, I'd love to chat to you a bit about just how you um, so you've you've directed um, eight shorts. I'd, I'd love to chat with you just in general about how you how you cast your projects, how you discover actors, how you find actors, how you find the ones that are right for your projects, and maybe even just if you know how you identify the ones that are you know are right for you to work with, or what do you you know what do you look for? Um, well, with we don't use how um, Fiuk was actually Fiuk Coons, he was on board long before I was and Dave had just worked with him a few times and he, he kind of wrote it with him in mind um so there was that to start with but that was like I'd known Fiek for a while so it was just a nice opportunity to to work with him at the time um and it became very clear to me that we were on the same page and we both had a very similar approach so to kind of homelessness and depicting that but also depicting the character and he really threw himself in so I mean I do like to think that if I, if I just had a conversation with him about it um, which is kind of where I started to prep with him anyway uh, and I kind of could see what that he understood you know that we were both in the same wavelength that I probably would have cast him anyway sure. um, yeah uh, but where I find them so the last few shorts I've done so for, for Mother, which is the one I did with uh, Sharon Cronin produced, Hillary, stars Hilary Rose and Lachlan O'Maran. So Hilary, um, oh, Hilary kind of knew. So like she would have been, she's kind of like the biggest name I've worked with when it comes to shorts, I think. And um, we were very lucky to have her. But basically I knew her from, um, I had directed a pilot for Julie Ryan and she was in that. And uh, Julie Ryan, who produced the Young Offenders movie. Right. And, um, 
and Jonathan Hughes, who wrote Mother, worked on that as well as a script supervisor. And so we kind of both knew Hillary, so we just sort of asked her. And now she, we had to go through the agent as well, but I think um, we had a bit of a direct line, so we were just really lucky that way. Sure. Um, but we kind of all agreed, my, the two of us and Sharon, produ- who produced it, um, that there was kind of no other person. We just could see her and her the way she kind of would perform it we just kind of knew we just had this good feeling she's and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the timeline of things but my sense mm-hmm. of time is horrendous so I'm trying to remember was <laughs> was mother pre or post the young offenders film oh mother was after so right. mother would have been just they had already done the first season of, of the tv series oh okay yeah right. yeah so that actually came out when we were filming I think yeah it was you we were filming it because I remember Hillary saying to me if it's okay, I might have to like duck out during lunch and you know do an interview for today. Right. I, remember, so I okay. remember so, but it, like it was all kicking off at the time, so it was just after they'd finished. It was just after, just before they they were about to broadcast season one of the TV series. Right. So, um, yeah, I think we like we just called her before things got really mad, mad for her. We we're really lucky. Um, so that would be that was her. That that was just that was her and Fake. They were just kind of, you know, Fake was was there from day one, and Hillary was just. We just wanted her and we, mm-hmm. we were lucky that we were in a position that we would could have asked her. We could have called upon her. Um, but when it came to Terminal, which was, uh, ooh, I shot that in 2016 and just a few of my other shorts, I have just put a call out. I've just done an open casting um, and I have maybe booked a room somewhere. It used to be film base uh, and it's not anymore. Sure. Um, and we, I used to just put a call out Um and I used to kind of say we'd be here between this time and that time. And if you want to come, you can come. And um, I've also, I mean, that's how I found the the lead for Terminal. One of them anyway, there's two leads, but one of the younger girls, um, she came and, you know, with a few others and we actually filmed her and uh, that's how we found her. She just kind of saw the post and it was something like she wasn't necessarily interested in pursuing professional acting or anything like that but she uh she was just something that was was of interest to her and she did an amazing audition she was just she had this vulnerability that was just spot on for us both for myself and for David who produced it as well so for Andrea Kelly who played the woman in Terminal um she came to me via word of mouth she just a friend I was looking for somebody and a friend of mine who's also an actor recommended her she said oh my god I can't believe I hadn't thought of Andrea Right. I'll get her to do a self tape for you if you want. So uh, I just got that, and we just knew. So for the moment, like for me, it is it is a, at least up up until now, it has been just putting out open open calls to cast uh, for casting, and then asking around for recommendations, and then approaching people who we know who we feel are are right for the part. And when you um, do your when you do your open calls. Um, do you send out, uh, are you, um, are you auditioning on sides for the particular project or what do you actually ask actors to, uh, to come in and do? Um, so I suppose actually for, so for, we kind of had put the, um, we kind of, we've given people, like I gave people the, the part of the script, like that I feel is like the most, maybe the most touching or the most emotive or the most, um, grounding, um, or at least the one that maybe is like, well, if they understand it, I'm going to be able to see their approach when they do the casting or the casting tape or the self tape. 
Um, and I can see that in that moment. And, you know, I, I need to see something in particular from this scene that I'm going to give them. And mostly it's from the film. Like I don't, don't mind, especially when it comes to shorts and stuff like that. I, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily one of these directors who's like, don't, we can't show them anything. We can't show them the rest of the script. We <laughs> sure. them to do something from some player. But uh, no, I'd much prefer to give them like a, a little scene. Um, yeah. But a dialogue, especially if it's with somebody like with we don't choose how. Um, we actually did. Uh, we, David kind of sent on a, a bit of a scene um, when we were casting Danielle Galligan's character. She plays Jenny, um, and we just got her to to read like one of her. She has this one really deep monologue, and we just got them uh, to read that one bit, and we kind of felt you know, that would was the most pertinent to her character. Like if they she nailed that, she'd understood she'd understand sure. the character and their position in the world of it, of the film. And where do you where do you put uh where do you put those calls out? How do you actually reach actors? Um well now I just <clears throat> now that I'm a little bit more experienced, I would probably just go to if I wasn't using like I haven't really used a I mean we were talking about this the other day, but I haven't really used a casting director or a casting agent, but it's um, now we'd, I'd, I'd just go to an agent. I'd go straight to an agent and i go through kind of official channels. Um, a few years ago, like when I was, you know, looking for, for people maybe outside of those agents before I would have felt comfortable going to them, I, you know, would not have been particularly experienced. I, I, I actually can't even remember, Frank. Do you know, it would have been something like Film Network Ireland. Um, it would have been like, you know, those Facebook groups, um, sure. which I do, and I do see casting calls in them all the time, like really, you know, I think mm-hmm. like really legitimate ones as well. And I think they're, they can be a really good resource for, for filmmakers, filmmakers and actors alike who are maybe looking for something different and looking for something independent. And I've had friends who have, uh, I have friends who, who use it regularly to try and put their films together. And, sure. um, I think it might've been something like that. Yeah. We put the word and so now um, you you yeah. you go directly to agents and just let them know that you have an open call and they send you people who they feel are appropriate. Yeah. Well, not even not even actually no. Now we would go now we just would go straight to agents um if they're if they're available to to actors um but not to put out an open call. I haven't I actually haven't done that myself um but more so just to the actor. Do you know what I mean? Okay, Rather sorry. If you're looking for someone in particular. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um so like Fiek and I kind of discussed uh, for We Don't Choose How, we, we discussed uh, who he kind of really wanted to, um, like who he wanted to act alongside for this. And he, sure. he gave me a few names and what they did have agents. And we just went straight to straight sure. to agents. Yeah. Um, rather than like, he probably could have given us an email or something for this because he knew all of them. But um, sure. Yeah. So, we, we decided not to do that, but the casting calls, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, the future, especially we can talk about the, my, you know, the future of my feature film. I mean, I probably would use uh, an open casting call by agents as well, who might have their ear to the ground when it comes sure. to, you know, maybe cast of a certain age that might be interested in, in the content or the subject matter and the script and that kind of thing. But I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, open to actors who don't have agents either like that's sure to yeah, say, yeah. Not to say it's like it's <laughs> agents or nothing <laughs> yeah so. and uh because we were chatting the other day about like how you how you actually work with actors then and mm-hmm. it sounds like you have a, a very collaborative approach yeah that, i do is that on every project or it was it kind of more specific to to your late to your latest short um, I think <laughs> I feel like it's maybe come to a head with um, 
with something like We Don't Choose How because that was really that was quite an intense collaborative process between myself and the two casts, the two lead casts. But it's definitely an approach I like to take with all of the films I do. And I just think it's a really nice process to uh, develop character with cast and to have cast have uh, their own input in the characters that they're going to be breathing life into. Um, and it also gives me a lot of inspiration as well. It gives me an awful lot of, you know, a lot an awful lot of stuff to play with beyond what's on the page and um it's a great way to tap into creativity and understanding of actors when they come in to play a part so I like to kind of discuss the script at length with characters or sorry with actors uh I love to you know do backstory character backstory with cast um that is something I did at length with We Don't Use How. And we were just able to feed all of that back into the script during prep, especially during rehearsals and things like that. And, you know, you kind of, none of, like you won't necessarily see every single thing that we do, like all of that backstory that uh, that we write. It's not going to be seen or heard in the movie, but it's, you know, for cast and for me, it gives us all something to hold on to especially when they might need something to refer to or I might need something to refer to. Like, how would this character respond in this way or react in this way? You know, who who Absolutely, were they yeah. then and what are they now and what does this mean now? Um, I think it, br- so, I mean, it brings a richness yeah. to performance. Yeah, um, it really it's something, does. It's something that I've, I think it seems kind of really obvious in hindsight, it's probably something I should have known long before I started working with um, Tom Kibbe, but I've been studying with mm. Tom Kibbe here in Cork. And that's definitely one of the things that I've realized is that like the performance is basically crafted in your imagination in the run up to the project. It's not actually, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of magically appear on set or even, even in the rehearsal room um, that, Mostly it's crafted with all of that work that you do, that imaginary work about the background and about the character and about past events, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's exactly it. And, um, you know, with We Don't Choose How, you know, I, I just, I suppose that's, I've been referring to that a lot, but it was definitely, it was definitely a really profound experience from my point of view, because at least with Fiek, you know, the two of us put a lot of, research into research time into homelessness and he slept out um he cut his hair he took up smoking he changed the way he spoke he lost weight um like he really kind of immersed tried to immerse himself did you say he took up smoking yeah he did (laughs) i didn't i did not for the record i did not ask him to do any of that i didn't ask him to do to sleep out or to smoke or to lose weight it was just something he he was just very dedicated So yeah, it was just important to him when he did all that stuff that I didn't ask him to do. <laughs> he, <Yeah. laughs> he, just, he just like, I was like, fake, you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to like lose all this weight because he looked properly, properly gaunt like for quite a sure. while. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'm being healthy about it. It's grand. It's good. Sure. Um, so anyway, I just kind of let him at it. And I think it probably does lend weight to a lot of his performance. And like, he, it kind of changed the way he carried himself, um, which is very it was great for the physicality of the performance. Um, and I think that's kind of, that became very clear to me as we kind of went on. And um, 
but he he like he he also like the, the two I spoke to people from Dublin Simon and he spoke to people who were on the streets and we did soup runs together. Um so it did that itself was quite, you know, having to even craft that understanding together, him as cast and me as director, um, just meant that we went in with a, a, a real respect and a real under like a as an under a, a certain level of understanding that we didn't have before for the situation. Um, and I think that just like that inevitably lent a lot of depth, that research in and of itself to the backstory of the characters and yeah. to myself and him and Danielle kind of discussed why were they homeless and what happened to them now that they are homeless? Um, and how is that different from the lives, their lives before? Um, because, because we learned about so much, like the things that happen when you're on the streets and you know, has that happened to them? And if it has, like we have three of us have decided that it has, then who does that, like, how does that make them who they yeah. are now? How can we ground that now? Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of, that was an amazing kind of, that was a, a really deep, I suppose, part of the process that I, that I tend to, to go to. And we can talk about the Lear as well, which was different again. Yeah, that's. Uh, I only saw that. Uh, I only saw that um, short recently. So yeah, absolutely. Tell tell us a little bit about that project. Um. So I. So they. They. Um. So basically, um, the Lear take on directors, um, to, uh, to basically make a short film with the final year students of uh, the final year acting students, and it's essentially to, to give them some on screen experience, um, and some uh creative uh, input into that short film. So they take two good directors and they split the year in half and um, the one director takes one group and the other director takes the other and they go and make short. Um, so the whole thing is that you have to write the script uh, with involvement from the cast um, in some capacity. Right. So right. I basically t- spoke to them at length um, I kind of spoke to them about what was important to them and what was going on in their lives and their worlds and what was important, you know, what, you know, what turned them on and what they liked and didn't like. And, and it, we kind of, kind of formulated this idea based on that. And I assigned them all characters and essentially the script is made up of improvised rehearsals of, uh, okay. I gave, I gave them like maybe very small backstory Um like very, very small, minor, bland character traits for this one person. And then we just kind of improvised stuff. And then out of that improv grew um, a narrative arc, basically for the leads and yeah. the riffle characters that were involved as well. Um, and that and was that was brilliant because they all kind of then had their own thing to bring to the film on the day. Yeah, and it also like it deals with... Um... It deals with uh, a couple of, I suppose, societal issues, which yeah. I think we were chatting the other day about how that seems to be like a through line throughout your work is, is that mm-hmm. it's quite socially conscious. Yeah. Um, and, but at the same time, there are like, there, across the eight of your shorts, there are some, there are a couple of very distinct styles. And that's yeah. something that I find really interesting about whether, you know, how you decide that whether it's the script whether you feel it's the script dictates the style or whether you feel like you want to do 
this script in this style or like for example um uh, food fight have i got the name mm-hmm. right uh yep. you know it's black and white and yeah. it, it's got a, a very different style to either power out or we don't choose how um okay. and then mother has a quite a different aesthetic again mm-hmm. um so what what drives that stylistic choice um, I, th- I think it's, I, you know, I was, I was thinking of, because I know we, we spoke about that a couple of days ago and I was, I was, I've been thinking about my answer ever since. <laughs> um, cause I do feel like it's, I, I've definitely done a variety of work and I, I do feel like people do ask me about, you know, my kind of intended vision for my body of work. And, um, I think for me, it always just depends on the script you know, at hand right. and what's right for the script. Like Mother, to me, had a very, um, very, like for me, the approach I took, it needed to be um, played a certain way for people to uh, really respond to it and laugh. And more importantly, I needed them to believe the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made it like this tongue-in-cheek horror um, drama. I played it totally straight. And I think there was like there was definitely the option to make it this really goofy humored thing, but we all agree that it would really take away from everything that's going on because it's so absurd. I, you know, I needed them to believe her. I needed it to feel like this thing was really happening to this family. Um, and that it was kind of frightening to the lead character. So I think that subjectivity, um, I mean, that for me is, is, uh, was where I started. Like, how do I approach the humor, the level of humor in this and what's happening yeah. in the situation? Um, so that's kind of one, for example, Parrite was just kind of, cause it was a party film was sort of influenced by other films I'd seen with those kinds of, uh, with young people and with, uh, with other parties and things like that. And it's just, it just felt right. It just felt right to have fun with those kinds of styles and those mm. kinds of tropes. The, the use of um, movement in Parrite was, was beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, it just like, that was something me and room Egan, the cinematographer, um, he's a really amazing cinematographer, um, just spoke about camera movement and how to introduce nuance into a scene where eight people are talking at once. So you're probably thinking about the scene where they're all playing Monopoly and we just have the camera kind of going back and forth and it looks like this kind of semicircle. Um, Another bit I loved was, uh, I think two people arrive into the party, come into the hall, join a group, mm-hmm. two people leave that group, we follow those two, uh, yeah. but we depart those two and land on another conversation. Yeah, loved mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that was so that was the first time that we did like a mini one Um that was really cool. That was the first time I've ever done that and worked with a, a study cam up. Um and again we just like myself and Rua just discussed uh what would feel right for a party. Like we just felt mm-hmm. that like that was a real party feel gave a real party feel to it was just yeah. you know when you come in to a house and just having the whole camera move through all the different kinds of personalities and having us introduce the characters in a very seamless way and a very quick way um and they all kind of deliver lines and sort of set up the tension as well which is something i'm quite proud of but yeah i suppose look each each film is really just about what feels right and what feels what inspires me and my approach to what's happening on the page and what's happening with the characters and uh, what I like want people to take away from it at the end. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing that we were chatting about the other day that I'd love to get into just a little bit is 
money. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I'll <laughs> kick this off by saying that that I kind of I had I had kind of started it by by talking to you about the fact that like it's my digital marketing and my graphic design that pays the bills, and that um, really I think the years when my acting income has uh, outweighed my acting expenses have been few and far between because I'm constantly going to classes. I've got my travel expenses. I've got the IMDb Pro expense. Uh, I've had, I'm not on Spotlight at the moment, but that's been another expense. So frequently, the money that I make from acting is actually completely outweighed by the expenses. Um, And, you know, I was reading, I was, I was, uh, I was reading that I think that there's, um, I think it's a, a, what do they call that? Like a, uh, where they've put the data from several different large studies together and they've discovered that like 2% of actors make a living in this profession and 90% are out of work at any given time. So I'm always interested that like I still see things on social media. I still see, you know, even like fairly reputable industry websites putting out this notion that like, oh, you have to go for it 100%. You have to give it your all. You have to be there. And, you know, if if that works for someone, great, more power to you, brilliant. But for me, I want to be able to still do some acting in the coming years and not be forced out of the profession because I can't pay the bills with it. Yeah. So... I and I think it's you know from chatting to you the other day it's not just actors either it's I mean it, well it's probably every creative profession certainly in Ireland unfortunately um and I suppose my thing is that like even like high level actors have multiple income streams and yet it's actors who are kind of struggling to get somewhere that are often put under this pressure of like, oh, you have to, you have to be all in, you have to be available for every audition, you have to be able to drop everything and, and do this project or do this audition. Or, and I was doing, like, I just did a quick Google just to see what I could find out. And I found out some kind of fairly interesting things like Will Ferrell founded the streaming site Funny or Die. Sandra Bullock owns shops and restaurants. Scarlett Johansson has a gourmet popcorn shop. Uh, Jeremy <laughs> Renner flips houses. Jeremy Renner apparently still flips houses. Well, I'm not 100% sure when the uh, article that I read was based in, but he said he was talking about... Hmm? What, what, what is flipping houses? What is it, that? It means that um, himself and his friends will buy like rundown houses and they'll do them up and they'll sell them at a profit. Oh, right. So, okay. so he, said, he was talking in this interview and he was saying you know, that he will go and do this big Hollywood... Um, interview on like morning TV or whatever. And then he'll pop out and he'll be popping in to get the tiles for the project they're working on. <laughs> and he said it really keeps him grounded. Um, but also again, you know, it's another, it's another income stream. Uh, James Franco teaches. So, you know, I personally, I think it's, um, I just think if 2% of, of actors are making a living, then it, it just makes sense to be exploring what are the other income streams you can have. And I feel very, I feel very lucky that I have digital marketing and I have the web design. Um, but yeah, like we were saying, it's not, it's not just actors. And you, you were saying that you, you also have multiple income streams. Sort of. I mean, I, I definitely did. I, um, I, I was for a long time, um, doing things like production assistant work and training assistant directing work. Um, and then I kind of 
do directing work like I do the shorts maybe when I had some time time off I'd say you know what I mean just after a job or something um where I'd have the money to to just sure do that um and like I still live with my with my folks with my parents so I have that I'm very lucky they live in Dublin um yeah. and I'm very lucky they don't mind me living at home <laughs> yeah because um, the cost I mean Cork is bad enough but the cost of living in Dublin is is completely yeah. insane it's insane and um there's nothing immediately prompting me to 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 move out so i just kind of stay put um mostly out of necessity to be honest because like we were saying my income is not uh sustainable for rent unfortunately at least not right now um so that's what i did i was doing a lot of other film work and i think it's actually really stood to me um for my directing career because you know it's kind of I've been able to kind of dip my toe into multiple into at least two different departments um but there did come a time where I I did kind of I did decide to 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 ditch ditch that and just focus on directing but it, it has meant it has definitely meant taking uh you know a massive making a massive financial sacrifice for getting out of that honey honey trap as they call it yeah. like running on from one job to another um and uh, yeah, because I just, I didn't like it. I wasn't particularly good at it. Um, but directing, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. It's what I was good at. And that's kind of what my focus was. was. Um, I sure. didn't want people to see me as the subpar assistant director, or the subpar VA. I just needed them to see me as a director of some description. Sure, yeah. Um, but now, but, but, that is, but it's really tough. It's really hard. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely... You know, it, it's definitely it. Uh, you know, in this stage of my career, it's 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 hard to negotiate the job. Um, I suppose with the like with with the multiple revenue streams now, I have um, I'm going to start teaching um, in UCD in as a film studies tutor. So really looking forward to having that um, as well on the side of all the filmmaking. It's nice to take a break from Brilliant. that and go into a teaching environment and. Um, like I have a master's in film studies and to be able to use that side of the passion of, for film that I have. Yeah, fantastic. I'm very lucky in that I'm repped by a really good commercials company. I have a really good commercials agent. Um, but the work coming in is is slow to do so because I, I don't have a massive profile for commercials. Um, but they, like they, they, they're working very hard to, to get me those gigs and um, I think we're going to hopefully turn a corner on that quite soon. But of course... Great. Look, I mean, just like like anybody, the pandemic has kind of thrown a grenade in people's careers, especially in you know ones in film and theatre and, and other creative yeah. industries. And it's um, it's been really tricky to kind of it's really tricky to to navigate. I I just feel like, you know what I mean, Frank, when I say like this career is like a constant negotiation. I feel like I'm always looking for funding or looking for jobs or looking trying to convince people to to give me the funding or give me the job. <laughs> and um, that's just yeah. the way it is. And I don't, I don't want to sound entitled or anything like that. And I hope, I hope to God I don't because in this line of work, you own nothing until, until you have it. And then you, <laughs> you sign it, you, you sign a contract anyway, but it's, I suppose what I mean is that it's just, it's the game you play, but it's, it's really hard and you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's really tough. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's really, I'm really glad you're saying this because I think it's really interesting for actors to hear as well, because I, I think 
and again, I don't know, maybe this is just like a gross generalization, but I, I think sometimes, and I was kind of saying this the other day, that I think sometimes there's a feeling among actors, because often actors are the last to come into a project in a way. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think sometimes actor, for actors, it feels like everyone is busy making work and actors are scrabbling to get in to become a part of that work. And I think it's really important kind of to acknowledge that actually what it actually is, is a whole bunch of creative people desperately trying to make work. And all of us are scrabbling to get that work made and to get our projects made or to be a part of the projects or, and it's not, yeah, it's kind of, it's not that there's this, um, it's not that there's this industry buzzing away and and just the actors trying desperately to get into it. It's everyone (laughs) trying to make work. Yeah. Um, that's it. And some people look, some people are, are better, like are, you know, get more work than others and that kind of thing. But it is, I feel like, uh, I have myself and my contemporaries anyway, are very much, I always feel like we're very much in the same boat. We're all kind of have similar goals and aims and hopes and fears and desires. And, you know, we do, we cross over and, and, um, I'm just I am rooting for everybody in 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 my contemporary circle I suppose when it comes to directing but it's it's definitely um yeah I do feel like there's there's everybody like I know so many DPs who who want who want more work and I know so many actors I mean I have such profound respect for you guys I feel like you put your you know I think you guys put more on the line of yourselves than maybe we do and um I know I know a lot of actors that so sort of desperately deserve a break and um I uh, I hope I hope uh, things get a little easier now that we've gotten this more funding coming in from the government too. Um, sure, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, look, I mean, when it comes to multiple, sorry, go on. No, just what you're saying as well. It, it's interesting because it kind of uh, you you were saying that among you know that you're rooting for everyone and that you have all these peers yeah. that are that are in the same boat. And it's kind of something that I was chatting to um, Laura Omani about in the last podcast about how. Uh, that I had somewhere along the way, I'd heard this person being asked about like, you know, how do you get the attention of the people at the top so that they can help you break in? And they were saying, don't like, look to your peers, look to your peers and, and help each other along. And I think that's really important. Um, so yeah, but the, yeah, money can just be, it can, it can just be so stressful and, uh, it's not easy in the, in the creative industries. No, I mean, but in terms of like looking to get work made, let's end on a much um, more optimistic note. And uh, <laughs> I just want to ask you maybe what you can tell us or what you'd like to share at this point about the, the feature that you have in development. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I've got a feature in development Screen Ireland, um, very newly, newly so. Um, and uh, so basically this is something I started writing like three years ago, but, um, we've only gotten project development funding for it now. We got turned away, uh, but we, we took on board notes and came back for the vengeance. So it's essentially, it's a coming of age comedy drama set in a college campus, uh, about consent. So, um, that's all I, I think that's kind of, I know that's very genre, genre forward, but, um, it's essentially, uh, about a young woman, uh, and her life altering journey, um, after she is uh, raped at a party. So um, that right. is, that is what the film is. And um, so we're, we're kind of, we're in, we're in our first round of development development now, and we're, we're gonna, we're just getting our script editor and heading into rewrites now. And we, we took it to the flat market and spoke to some co-producers and financiers and distributors. Um, 
and we're just sort of na- navigating this new world of feature film making and uh it's it's just really exciting it's really exciting Brilliant. to to be in a place where we can all at least i can move on and to make the making this big step and it's it's a film i really believe in it's a film i think is going to be um is is definitely needed and is uh that sounds very self-assured, but anyway, I hope. You I guess should, I you guess. should sound self-assured. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. I, I hope. I, look, I hope. I hope that people. I hope it is a film that people will like um, and people will appreciate. Um, but there's a lot of work to do, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm so ready for that work. You know? Brilliant, excellent. Well, yeah, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> um, what kind of <laughs> what kind of timeline does does from where you're at now would you envisage? Oh God, how long, oh, how long is a piece of string? I've heard such varied, I've heard so many variations of development processes and it really could take, like it could take years and years and years. Um, but we are, myself and my producer are hoping for it to be within like a, a shooting or production stage in like two years. Brilliant. Um, which I think is pretty quick, but uh, that's our like hope. That's our excellent our hope for now. Um, so we're just going to keep that ball rolling as much yeah. as we can. Brilliant. Um, well, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you every luck at every every step along the way of it. And yeah, like I said, thank can't you, wait to see it. Oh, thank thank you, you so much for chatting. Um, really, really appreciate it. And oh. uh, well done again on We Don't Choose How. And I will chat to you soon. Yeah, chat to you soon, Frank. Cheers. If you'd like to learn more about Natasha and watch some of her work, you can go to natashawaugh.ie. Wall is spelled W-A-U-G-H. You can also connect with Natasha on Twitter at Cinemaster17 or on Instagram at natasha.wall. And I'll put links to all those in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Please do subscribe if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you normally listen to podcasts. I'm Frank Prendergast. You can find me on Twitter at Frankie P. And if you're looking for a quick, easy and affordable professional actors website, check out www.mysite.actor. Cheers. Cheers.